This is the SPM Show, episode number 247. Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the SPM Show. I am your host, Bruce Irving, here with you for another podcast episode. My guest today is Rico from Slice on Broadway. We're going to talk about pizza, obviously, a little local marketing, direct mail, third-party delivery sites, and how do you expand the brand? Rico is joining me on the podcast. He's going to share all of that information with you here in just a few moments. It's a good episode, actually. One of our longer episodes. This went for about an hour. Usually, I don't go for that long. I try to stick it to 35, 40 minutes, but the conversation that Rico and I had was so good that it extended longer than our usual 35, 40-minute podcast to about an hour. But I'm telling you, there's no boring parts. This episode is chock full of information. You're going to want to take some notes. You're probably going to go on back and re-listen to a few things of it uh, because it's a good one. Before I get into the podcast episode, though, thank you so much to us. We are the sponsor for this episode. Two things for you. We have our mastermind group. If you're interested in that, if you're a hands-on type of person, if you're looking to try and figure out what's working in this crazy marketing world that we're living in today, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, email, Twitter, all of that stuff we talk about a couple times a month inside of our private Facebook group. If you want information on how you can join us, smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind. And also our agency, if you need some help, if you're a local business that's doing pretty well, you just don't have the time to market and you have maybe one busy location or multiple locations, uh, we can help you do that with our digital marketing agency, smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip. We only work with one restaurant or pizzeria per zip code. So go check it out. See if your zip code is available and let's chat. Maybe we can help you out. Maybe we can't. We just hop on a phone call, talk for a few minutes, and we realize that, you know what? You got this. You can do it all yourself. Uh, All right. Let's get to today's episode with Rico from Slice on Broadway. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. Rico from Slice on Broadway is joining me on the show today. I've met Rico a couple times at these pizza expos, uh, different pizza shows around the country. I've met him in, uh, I see what he's doing online. He's doing some cool stuff. So I wanted to have him come on, join me on the podcast and tell me a little bit about his story. So Rico, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Bruce. Happy to be here. So I always love to start with your story about how you got into the pizza business. Um, It's always a unique story for the most part. So let's hear yours. How did you get started with this whole pizza thing? Well, uh, I don't know how unique it is, but, you know, I did uh, this. I'm far from where I thought I was going to be in terms of pizza. You know, I went to school to uh, have a business degree um, and management information systems was my major. Started off doing that. And I think in 2004, uh, my dad opened a restaurant. At the time, I lived in Philly, and uh, he, as far as I knew, never had any plan to open a restaurant, just called. Uh, I said, what are you guys doing? He's like, oh, your sisters and me are cleaning the restaurant. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, yeah, we bought a restaurant. <laughs> he, having no experience before, uh, decided uh, it was in the neighborhood, actually, where my first location is, uh, which is all part of Pittsburgh. It's a small little area called Beachview. And he opened it up, sat like 30, and we had it for about 10 years. And I decided to move uh, back from Philly because uh, I was jealous that they were all, you know, working in the restaurant, working together. And I started to help out there. And then, you know, 2010 is when, uh, well, actually a little before that, I, I bought a building up the street and opened a deli. And at the time, I was working a full-time job doing what I went to school for. 
and trying to run a deli. And, you know, it just proved to me, A, I like doing it, but it was also hard to do um, kind of as at the beginning as an absentee owner. So, you know, uh, I shut that down after a year. And then uh, at the beginning, a friend and I opened up Slice on Broadway. And as we opened, I was still working my full-time job. Uh, he was working days. I was working nights. Uh, my wife wanted to kill me because hardly ever home. Yeah, I can imagine. Wants to kill me now, so I don't know what's changed. But, <laughs> uh, regardless, uh, opened up. It started to get busy. It kind of took off. Um, and then about a year into it, my partner left. I took the business over fully, quit my full-time job, and then just kind of uh, decided to grow and expand from there. Uh, we now have four locations. Uh, and it's just last week was our nine year anniversary for the first one. So well, congratulations. Thanks. So you opened your first one and you were doing it with a partner part time. Correct. Well, full time hours probably, but part time. Yeah, full time yeah, full time hours. Yeah. It was again, I didn't want to repeat the same problem I had when I opened uh yeah, the the deli that I had. You know, I was trying to run it, um, you know, trying to hire people and trying to develop develop the brand, but it was hard when you weren't there. Um and, uh, they, uh, sorry, that's okay. Um, they, uh, you know, so I decided to, after that, um, you know, when I was talking about opening up, I wanted to open up a pizza shop. I've always wanted to since I was little and my friend wanted to do the same thing. And he had some experience. I had different experience, uh, obviously helping out my family's restaurant. Uh, and I had a space already. So we just opened up and it kind of, develop from there he didn't love doing it because of the hours and, and everything else uh i love doing it i think we have to be a little uh crazy to, to do what we do every day but you know uh it you know the hours and everything but at the end of the day it's fun did he did your partner do anything else or was he working just the restaurant he just works at the restaurant i had uh you know um like i said it was he would work days because i had my full-time job in the daytime and I would work nights. So I had, you know, kind of the, the worst end of the working hours. Um, and like I said, after about a year, we won an award at the beginning, uh, which kind of put us on the map in Pittsburgh and, you know, uh, best pizza award uh, for one of the competitions. And then people were coming from all over the place and it kind of blew up from there because uh, we were one of the, I, I can't say the first, but we were one of the, um, you know, Pittsburgh has its own unique style of pizza. It's what, little, is, what is Pittsburgh style of pizza, by the way? It, it has changed over the last few years, but you know, uh, historically it's been kind of a little thicker, yeah. uh, a little more cheese, uh, and you know, a little more sauce. Our pizza is a New York style pizza. So it's thinner. Uh, we sell slices, which a lot of places didn't do at the time around here. Uh, and, and that was kind of odd at first because people were like, what do you mean? You, you take the slice and you put it back in the oven, uh, <laughs> heat it back up. That was like foreign. Uh, but people like the, you know, how ours was thinner and crispier. Um, you know, the sauce is a little sweet in our area. Ours isn't, uh, you know, there's a little sweetness to it, but just, again, we took, uh, good ingredients, uh, you know, the best we can find and, and made them into a great product and, you know, continue to do that throughout the nine years. So I could say this from your partner probably cause you, you knew the alternative, right? Like you stuck with the pizza thing cause you knew the whole office job alternative was like, you know what, maybe I don't want to do that. I'd rather do this. <laughs> was that the case? Yeah. I mean, I, I, sometimes I do miss it. Uh, you know, that's kind of, you know, at the beginning I was in the shops every single day from open to close, especially after he left, I would get there at nine in the morning and sometimes be there until, you know, late, late at night. And then when, when I was decided, like you just had uh, one, did you just have one when he left? 
Uh, I just had one. Uh, if he would have stayed, uh, you know, we're still friends. Uh, there was nothing. He just, you know, went in a different direction. Yeah. Um, if he would have stayed, I don't know if we would open up more. Uh, my goal, you know, once he left was to continue to expand and grow. Uh, I think the second one I opened was um, in 2014. Uh, we opened in 2010. Um, 2014 was the second one. And that was a real, it was you know, going from one kid to having two kids. Right. Uh, Cause at the time I was the only one that did the dough, made the sauce. Uh, you know, I, you know, that's what I've learned along the way. I kind of micromanaged things a little too much at the beginning. And, you know, there was times at like two, three, four in the morning, I was doing dough to try to get it done for both locations. Wow. Where did you uh, learn how to make dough and where did you learn how to make pizza? Um, always kind of, you know, experimented at home. Uh, like I said, when I was younger, you know, my dad always talked about opening up a pizza shop. So, Kind of always had this like fantasy, uh, like a lot of many like many people do. Like, oh, it'd be great to have a pizza shop. Uh, you know, you go visit one and you you see, you know, they're busy. You can make money. Uh, you know, it's fun uh, to meet different people and stuff like that. And that that is a large part of it, and that's why I continue to do it. But people don't see, you know, when you're there at three in the morning. Uh, no, they you don't. Know, yeah, <laughs> doing everything that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, but where did I learn to do it again? A lot of it was trial and error. He came, my partner came with, uh, you know, a couple of different recipes he used, uh, and different experience cause he would experiment at home. And then when we first opened, uh, you know, the product we have today is very similar to the product we had on day one, but we both, you know, doing it in, uh, you know, a commercial setting instead of at your home is different. You know, you're using a 50 pound bag of flour versus, you know, small little batch. Right. And I remember our first day, like the dough blew up, um, and it like almost blew the uh, refrigerator or the cooler door open and he was starting to panic. I'm like, well, I said, it's not like people are going to come flooding in our door that we know we're open. It's going to be our family and you know friends and stuff. So we, you know, we, I think we moved our opening day back one day and, um, you know, redid the dough and, and, you know, I remember it used to take me to, uh, you know, cut and ball a batch of dough. It used to take me like an hour and a half and, you know, now I've done, thousands of dough balls, you know, I can do it myself in like 30 minutes. So again, it's just trial and error. Um, you know, when you're smaller, uh, you know, that's why I talk to my staff now. I said, when we were smaller and had one shop, it, it seemed like, you know, you had to move mountains to get things done. And now looking back, you know, sometimes I'm like, wow, it's so much easier. Cause as you keep growing, um, and have more places to account for and more staff and everything, it's, it's like, wow, I thought that was hard, you know, nine years ago. And, and look where we are today and, you know, makes a big difference. That's crazy because you're right. And I, you know, obviously I get to talk to a lot of people, whether that be on the podcast or people who listen to the podcast or the people who work with, and you, you see a lot of the people who have a hard time finding help, which I'm sure everybody does, no matter how many locations you have, that's an issue. But the ones that feel it the most, I think are the ones that have one location, right? Like, cause they're all there. Their fallback is, all right, if someone doesn't come in, I'm just going to go be in. But when you have four places, you can't do that. You have to figure it out some way, some system to place that you, where you, it isn't you going in there. Yeah, maybe once in a while you have to go in, but it can't be you as the fall safe. Exactly. And that's the only way to expand. I mean, I had to loosen up on, you know, some areas that I would micromanage, uh, you know, and it, reality really hit when I opened up my third location, um, which is at PNC Park where the Pirates play. We went from, you know, a neighborhood shop to this, uh, you know, kind of put on the spotlight. And there, I mean, when there are games, we're open year round, but when there's games, like our whole back opens up to the park. 
So if there's, you know, an opening day, it's usually a sellout. So I potentially have 30,000, 35,000 people, wow. you know, right there. And not all of them are going to come eat pizza, but, you know, we'll easily sell, you know, a couple thousand slices and you have to learn how to manage that crowd, manage, you know, your processes. And again, it's, you know, I'm, you know, cause sometimes we fly on the seat of our pants or whatever the, the saying is, uh, cause you have to, you know, on day one of that shock, you know, we got killed and it didn't go well. And instead <laughs> of like folding up and being like, all right, I, I can't do this. I'm like, all right, we have to change, you know, how we operate. And obviously it's different than, you know, our little neighborhood uh, original shop and each one, even though they're the same across the board, each one has its own little uniqueness in terms of how we operate. Right. Um, but you're exactly right with saying, you know, on one shop, I would just work for whoever called off that day or, uh, now I have to, you know, I don't want to say I work less. Now I work more on trying to develop the business and work less at maybe making pizzas. Although I still, you know, like yesterday someone called off and I was at the shop. I'm like, whatever, I'll just work. Right. It's different when you have the, it's different. I think when you have the choice to do that, right? Like you've built up your business where it's a business and you can manage it from, from, kind of behind the scenes and if if someone does call it and you're like you know what i'll just do it that's your choice rather than i think most people are, are in a scenario where they have no choice like two people called out sick and they don't have two other people that they can call they have to do it and suck up the work for those two people which is well like it's hard for people to get out of that mindset of the it's like a growth mindset i believe how did you get out of that so obviously you know, you have four locations now. It can't be you. What did you do in your business to decide, like, I, I can't be that person if I want to grow. I have to have people. How did you find those people? Uh, we, we still, that is one of my biggest challenges is finding help. I, you know, I'm still doing it now. One of my managers is uh, moving on to a, a bigger company, not in the pizza industry. Uh, so I'm going to actually replace her um, for now until I find somebody Uh but it's the same problem every restaurant because I, you know, I know a lot of different restaurant owners in the Pittsburgh area, and you know, constantly their their challenge is always finding help. Yeah, and I still haven't found the best answer for that. Uh, I've used, uh, you know, our social media to advertise for it. I've uh, been on Indeed and in every other job platform. And again, I think there's such a, a restaurant renaissance in Pittsburgh that there's so many options for people now you know, nine years ago, I used to post a job on Craigslist, which was free at the time. And I would get, you know, 20 people that would apply. And, you know, out of those 20, 10 would show up for an interview. And I still have like five people to pick from. Now I, I post a job. It's hard to get them even to come in for an interview. Yeah. Uh, but I do know they're out there somewhere. And it's just, you know, taking time to develop, you know, some of my, my staff now have about 50 employees uh, across all four shops. And, you know, probably about 20 of them have been with me for at least over five years. Uh, there's probably about five that, that have been with me for at least eight years and, you know, just trying to train them and develop them. So when we do hit a hard time, uh, if someone leaves or, or quits for whatever reason, uh, they can jump in and, and fill that spot. Right. Uh, my problem with growth is, uh, I sometimes put the uh, cart ahead of the horse and, you know, I don't want to say it gets us in trouble, but if an opportunity comes up, like the fourth shop I opened, I wasn't planning on opening and I found it. It was already a pizza shop. Um, and, you know, I'm like, well, why not? I don't, I'm not ready to open one, but this is uh, in a great area. It's in a, um, it's East Liberty of Pittsburgh, which is, uh, it's booming over there right now in terms of development. 
And I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's open it. I don't have any employees. I don't have enough employees at the other shop. Okay. Let's open up a shop. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes you, you put it ahead and, and, you know, you still have to try to maintain consistency and, and everything. So the other ones don't crumble. Uh, but I do think we have a, a great base of employees and, and, uh, you know, procedures and, and things of that nature that allow us still to maintain, uh, the other locations while trying to shift focus on opening up something else. Did you already open that four shop? Is it open? Yeah, it's been open for, uh, it'll be two years in October. How's that? How did it go? I, it, it went in terms of opening it went smooth because I, I think that's the biggest thing. It's, it's not necessarily once you have kind of an idea and a concept going from, you know, uh, one shop to two shops, I think is a little hard, but after that, it's not, you know, I know what equipment to buy. Right. I know what uh, point of sale system. Like if you go into any one of our shops, it's the same equipment, same, uh, POS, uh, it's the same menu across all four locations. So we have that, foundation of that to where I can mirror it everywhere else. Like I said, the operation might change. Uh, for instance, the, the newest shop, we're really busy for lunch and we have to handle that a little different than my original location is mostly pickup and delivery. Right. Um, you know, so each shop has that own uniqueness, but again, I have employees that will bounce back and forth between shops and they can just jump right in and there's not much to, you know, they know the core of what we do and how we do things. So that, that makes it a little easier. I love, uh, so one of my favorite sayings is everything is figure outable. And yeah. I love saying that because you just explained exactly that. Like you weren't ready to open that four shop, but an opportunity came out. And instead of being like, oh, you know what, I'm not ready to open it. I'm going to pass on the opportunity. You said, you know what, we're going to figure it out and we're going to figure it out by doing it. And I think that if more people had that mentality of like, don't worry about someone calling out sick, uh, because you know, I'm sure there's going to be days where people don't, but if they do, you'll figure it out. Like there's a whole system in place. You should have a system in place where you could figure anything out. And I think people dwell on the problems too much sometimes. Yeah. That's my, my saying is, uh, uh, if it, uh, doesn't work, we'll, uh, or what, I don't even know my saying now. <laughs> it, if it's, uh, it's not going to work, we'll, we'll make it work. I usually just say, yeah, but, it's kind of like the same thing, right? Yeah. Cause I don't know. I mean, like I said, we, Cause we're again, going through, uh, you know, different phases again, it, it all comes down to, you know, finding the correct help, but I'm like, well, we'll have to just make it. It's not like I'm just going to shut the doors and, and, uh, exactly. be like, all right, well, this is, you know, the end of it. Uh, and it was the same when I opened PNC park yeah. working with the pirates, uh, the Pittsburgh pirates is great. They're a great organization to work with, but they sometimes work like I work, which it's hard to work with somebody who has the same mentality. They, put off until the last moment of us signing an agreement in uh, March 6th, I believe is when I signed my agreement and I had to be open April 1st for opening day. Wow. So I had 30 days to, the space was already a pizza shop. It was ran by Aramark, uh, which is, you know, I don't know if you've heard of them or not, but Aramark runs a lot of uh, stadiums across the country. Yeah. They're or, like a big corporation that does like uh, food and stuff for exactly big, yeah. like big so, catering orders and stuff. Yeah. They do all the concessions inside the stadium. Yeah. So they had the space pretty much since uh, PNC Park open, which was, you know, about 15 years ago, I think. So I, it was already a pizza shop and I literally had uh, 30 days and I had to uh, not reconfigure it, but I had a, you know, they wanted me to redesign it a little bit. So I had to get a new towel floor. I had to get, uh, get it painted and uh, hire a staff because I couldn't do any of this stuff until 
I knew I was going in there for sure. I was, so I had everything lined up, you know, who my contractors were. I had to use certain contractors um, and things of that nature. But, you know, we had 30 days to get it open. And I'm like, okay, again, what are you going to do? Sit in the corner and cry? Or are you going uh, <laughs> right? to figure it out and do it? And on opening day, uh, you know, we were ready. Uh, I closed one of the shops down for the day and brought the whole staff down. Um, but we hired, I think, like 15 people in, in that month, had to train them had to, you know, buy whatever equipment we had to buy to run, get a POS system. I had them on, on hold. Um, cause again, I don't want to pay for anything until I knew I was going in. Right. All that. So it all worked out. And again, you look back, you're like, how did you do that? But again, if you just put your mind to it and you figure it out. Yeah. And I know I'm going to get 75 emails from people saying, Bruce is different in my market. You don't understand where I'm from. There's no help. And I'm like, you know what? Do you realize the podcast and the people that I talk to are literally from all over the country? Like there's no, the help is an issue. I understand that. And I know it's an issue and it's an issue everywhere. And it's not just for the restaurant industry. I was talking to someone who owns a really big company here in New England who has thousands of employees and they're having a hard time finding employees and filling roles. So it's, it's any job that is done by that age range from like 16 to 25 year old. That's the hardest part. Any any job that's out there that is mostly in that category of people is having the hard time. So it's not just pizza shop. So it's everybody out there. Yeah, everyone. Is the same over here. I mean, I talk to construction yeah. people, uh, insurance. Uh, no matter what industry, they're still finding the same thing. Uh, you know, but like I said, they're out there, and I think that's our biggest thing with trying to shift. Uh, one of the meetings that we're, we're going to try to get back on track in terms of uh, our shop and having, I don't have meetings like I should with my managers. I talk to them all, you know, pretty much daily, but, you know, get more of structure. And, and one of my big focuses right now is culture. Uh, you know, I want to redefine our culture because that's what kind of we were built on because, you know, there's thousands of pizza shops in the Pittsburgh area that you can go to. And, and you know, uh, you know, again, I always, every pizza shop owner is going to say there's the best. But it's, to me, it's their experience that they get. And I think we started, that's what we were built on was experience and getting getting to know our customers and getting to know what they, they like, even when they walk in to know what they order automatically because people like that uniqueness. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't think we've fallen away from that totally, but that's one thing that I've always provided when I worked with uh, my staff directly. They saw how I did that and they would do the same thing. So now we're going back to the root and I want to redefine our culture and uh, try to, it's easy for me to incentivize a manager and say, okay, if you meet these, you know, uh, X, Y, Z on, on labor cost or whatever, I'm going to give you a bonus of some sort, but our, I haven't found a solution yet, but how can I make the managers incentivize the employees? Uh, so the employees can work harder for the managers, work harder for the business and in some way be rewarded. Uh, I don't have an answer for that yet, but that's what I'm working on right now because a lot of them, some of them, like one of my employees, he's uh, 20, uh, great worker. Uh, he's going to school for education and he's not going to stay with me forever, but how could I make him valuable to me and for him for that period of time when he's here right. um, summer or whatever it is. I mean, I know a lot of kids, a lot of kids e- email me cause they want to start a podcast or they want to do something in, like they're in they're in college and and you ask them like what are you going to college for and they they say a subject 
and they'll and you ask them a follow-up question which is like all right what are you going to do when you get out and they're like i don't know like <laughs> you're literally going to school and you don't know what you're going to do but they think that that's what they think the path is but if we can show them in there like there is a path outside of that like if if school's not for you or you go like you did and go for a business degree and then utilize that business degree in a real business maybe there is a path for people to work at a pizza shop and then grow from there I just think the root is because that's my biggest struggle is just to show them that, you know, they see what I may have accomplished, some of them, and want to be in that position, but they don't see the, uh, the, the road. Yeah. Yeah. The time and the road that it takes to get there. That, you know, sometimes I'm there till four in the morning. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, my bank account was, uh, very low and I had to like, you know, pick and choose what, what I was going to pay and not pay it. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of them want to go from zero to a hundred without, you know, going through each, each step. I blame Instagram and, for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> just on the news this morning, they were talking about how, uh, you know, I, I forget what age it was younger kids, but they wanted, instead of being, you know, back in the fifties or whatever, they wanted to be an astronaut. Now they want to be a YouTuber, uh, and which is great, but how do you, it doesn't just happen overnight. Just because you post one picture, doesn't mean you, you know, like your podcast, for instance, uh, you know, it took a lot of time and, and to get people to even, you know, yeah, uh, or like, you know, like, oh, hey, I have this podcast, just come on. And people are like, what's a podcast? You know, <laughs> exactly. Like, my first episode had two listeners and they both live in my house. It's <laughs> exactly right. It's like, it's a long journey. Everything, anything that you build up that someone sees and it's, I don't want to say yours is the final stage or mine's not the final stage, but to a point where you get noticed, like there was a lot of time and energy put in before you get noticed. Yeah. Um, and I think the younger generation of people, and I have young kids, like my kids are teenagers and they're the same way. And I tell them right, this right to their face. So I'm not saying it behind their back. Like you guys are lazy and I don't mean you're lazy. Like you're, you'll, you'll work hard, but like you want it now, like you want to start something and you want it to be in 30 days, the end of the road. And it doesn't happen like that. It takes two years, two to three years to do anything before you see any result. And if you're willing to put in that work, then you'll get the result. But a lot of people aren't. Exactly. And it's tough because you have to translate that to the younger generation, especially when you're, you not only do you have to translate that to them, but you got to pay them while you're doing it. Yeah. That's a, uh, my son is the same way. He's 11, uh, my older son. And he does actually, sometimes he does a little more work than some people actually pay. Uh, but he <laughs> hand out right away, uh, you know, cause you know, he wants to buy this or buy that. And I'm like, that's not how it works. I right. said, you know, it's just cause you, yes, you got to work you know, work towards it and get it. Yeah. I saw something else the other day. I posted on uh, Instagram, you know, probably the place I should post it, but it was like, before you make fun of the younger generation, just remember who raised them. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. us, right? Yep. Like it's our fault. <laughs> if our kids are morons, it's our fault. Mm-hmm. Um, let's and I spoil in- mine. So I know I'm just as uh, guilty as an actor. Yeah. I, I tried, I tried, I don't know. It's like that tough balance, right? <laughs> like you want to raise your kids in a better life than you grew up, but you also know that, there's consequences to that when they become 25 or 30 and they still live with you. Exactly. There's a, there's a problem with that. Um, let's get into the marketing side because I know you do a great job on Instagram and marketing your business. So obviously having four shops, you have to have some sort of plan to get the word out there. What are you doing to get the word out there about your shops? Um, multiple things. Uh, you know, I, I again realized through you know, watching your podcast and what everyone else is doing that, you know, Instagram, uh, uh, Facebook, um, they're all super important. That kind of is what distinguishes, you know, especially the older shops in our area um, 
from the, the newer ones. Uh, you know, a lot of the older ones don't have, you know, some of them don't even have an Instagram account. And it's, again, it's not just as easy as just you post something and people, uh, it becomes viral or anything like that. Uh, you have to take your time and build it and try different things. Uh, you know, I've tried tons of different things. I also, through the, uh, the Pirates, we do an Instagram to win promotion. Uh, so during the game, the Pirates uh, raffle off a signed jersey or something like that. And they announce, which is pretty neat, uh, They during the game, they announce, uh, you know, follow Slice on Broadway for a chance to win. It's up on the Jumbotron or whatever you call it. Uh, and people have to follow us and comment, uh, uh, DM us to, to win a prize, and then we select the winner. So that also helps our following grow uh, yeah, yeah. pretty rapidly. Um, but again, it's a hard thing because you try to – it's like what content do you post to people? Because it's, it's weird. I, I had another company that was helping with my rebranding um, that did a lot of my menus and stuff, and they were doing uh, – you know, my helping me with my Facebook for a while, and we would post one thing that – seem pretty neat uh it would be you know a picture of one of us you know it might just be a picture of the food or something and we get maybe 10 or 15 likes and then i would post something stupid like i put a picture of uh uh cheese that looked like the leaning tower of cheese i called it and i had like 100 <laughs> likes on that one so it's again it was it's it, you have to learn who your audience is uh yeah. instagram does a good job at least giving some demographics and kind of seeing what content is working for you uh I don't have a, a perfect uh, science behind it, uh, but it is you know funny to see how you might post something that's more serious and you don't get any activity off it, or you post something that's more. I found things that involve myself or our employees that seem more real get more likes and shares and, and things like that than something of like you know here's a beautiful shot of a pepperoni pizza. Um, yeah, it's tough. I think people don't have a, a consistent plan with it. I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get a lot of messages from people say, hey, check out my Instagram account. And let me know what you think. And I feel bad saying anything to them. I kind of just don't want to respond because I don't want to say like, oh, it's a hot mess. You know, like yeah. there's no real there's no and I don't, I don't go by the whole you have to have a theme on your feed. I don't know if that's necessarily the case because a lot of people see the photo on Instagram in their own feed and they may not go to yours. But you want to have some sort of consistent feel to it. You don't want to be like all over the place. And sometimes you'll see accounts that are like, there's no, you can't get a sense of what the business is by looking at their Instagram feed. And I don't think all the pictures have to look exactly alike, but you should get a feel for the business by checking out your stuff on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, I, th I think that's really important. At least have a story that you want to tell, whether right. it be, you know, what, what your brand is about and, you know, how I classify our brand, you know, we're, uh, you know, a casual pizza shop that, uh, uses, uh, you know, quality ingredients, but it's could be for somebody in a, a suit eating it or somebody in jeans. Like there's, uh, we came up with something at one point saying, uh, something about hipsters, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we're not this hip trending thing. Cause there's a lot of places in Pittsburgh now that you'll see that are, are doing things that are, catering more towards, uh, again, for lack of better words, a hipster crowd. Uh, and I want those people, but I also want someone that's feeding a family of four right. or someone that just wants a quick bite. Our new tagline is, uh, uh, like the shirt I'm wearing now, you probably can't see, but it says, uh, you know, slice New York style Yinzer made pie. Uh, Yinzer in Pittsburgh is just saying like use in Philly or, uh, y'all or something like that. <laughs> uh, trying to show that we're, you know, we're approachable, uh, you know, 
family owned, you know, uh, you know, I'm here by myself just trying to develop a brand and, you know, I want us to be approachable from, you know, whether, you know, you're wealthy or, or lower income or, or whatever the case may be, we still have a, a pizza for you. We're going to try to be consistent. Uh, I'm not looking to do the next big trending thing of, uh, you know, I follow this one account. Um, you know, they're always doing something trying to, uh, get the next biggest thing. And, you know, we do weird stuff like that once in a while, but I want you to come in and just eat a pizza. It's really at the end of the day, all I want. Right. I think I know what account you're talking about. We won't mention it, but I think I know which one you're talking about. I think I follow them too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're pretty neat. I mean, I like, yeah, some it's of it, interesting, but... but like, like you said, that's totally interesting and you know, it could work to get exposure, but then I always tell people, cause they always ask us, a lot of people ask us, Hey, you know, what, what can I do for marketing? And I'm like, listen, you have to first look at your business because marketing just exposes what you do. And yes, you could get a viral post where you do these crazy pizza and like there's mozzarella sticks on it or tacos or whatever it is. But how many people are actually going to come in for that that are going to come back consistently for that every time? Not a lot, right? You may get them in the door for that, but your business and your your, your normal product has to be good enough to get them to come back and be repeat customers. That's the only way. You're going to survive in business. And a lot of people don't have that in check and they want to get the next viral post out there, but they don't know how to make a cheese pizza. <laughs> exactly. So, or greet a customer on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it's, and I was listening to your, again, social media is a huge uh, impact, but at the same time on one of your podcasts, I was listening to yesterday, actually, you were talking about doing direct mail and I still do that. I stopped for a while. Um, but I do uh, what value pack. Uh, I think it's called around here. And then the Clipper magazine, which is another thing that goes out, I think like monthly. And cause again, we in Pittsburgh, there is, especially each of my locations has a dim- different demographic and where my original one is, we get more phone calls and I get online orders. And then the newest location, which is East Liberty, which is near where uh, Pitt uh, university of Pittsburgh is and CMU. There's more, uh, we get more Grubhubs out there. We get more uh, uh, online orders, and the phone doesn't hardly ring it out there at all. And again, you have to try to see where your market is yeah. and, and get towards it. And that's you know the same thing at, at the root of it. Uh, you know whether it be social media, print, uh, you know television, radio, whatever. You still have to tell a story, but know who you're addressing in that story. Yeah, uh, my print ones, it's more. You know, again, they're they're pretty strong, uh, aggressive coupons I'm passing out, and we get as soon as it goes out, we we get you know pretty busy right away um, in the areas that they go out. Uh, but again, it's catering to the people that are actually you know looking through their mail and things like that. Where you know my house, my wife literally throws away as soon as I tell her, I said save them because I'm advertising there. I want to see it. Cause it goes <laughs> right, like literally dumping in the garbage, like you know. But there are people out there that still look at those. So you have to cater to them as well. Yeah, I, I tell everybody like the, the people think I hate direct mail or I don't like. And I we I we ran multiple pizzerias, multi million dollar pizzerias, and direct mail and postcards was what we built it on. Yeah. Um, so I I'm very much not a opposed to direct mail. But what I say is like, depending on what kind of business you have, is like what is your budget? And then, like you said, where are your customers? If your customers, if you're in a college town, why are you sending direct mail out? They're not going to read it. You should be on Instagram. You should be on Facebook. But if you're in like a upper middle class area where the generations are a little bit older, they're probably not on Instagram. They're probably in their mailbox. You may be able to hit them there a little bit better and maybe even more affordably. And then, it, it, but I always think like 
no matter what business you are or what demographic you have, you can use social media to build your brand over time, right? Because uh, there's a lot of people who said they would never use Facebook. And there's like 4 billion people on Facebook. Yeah, right. And there's only 7 billion people in the world. <laughs> so a lot of those people who said they would never use Facebook lied to us. And it's going to be the same way. Like the, 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 the internet's not going away. And it's just, it's like a land grab, right? Whoever can get there first and build the biggest presence is going to be the people who get noticed the most. And again, when you have, uh, you know, uh, like I said, we have 7,800 followers on Instagram, which isn't huge. 7,800. I'm sorry? 7,800 you have. Yeah, on Instagram, which isn't huge. Um, it's a good following for a local place, though. Yeah. And I, I want to uh, totally uh, continue to increase it. But the thing that people have to realize is when you post something, you know, not all 7,800 people are going to see that, but right. you're basically, in a sense, kind of doing it for free. So, if you are just trying to get the word out on something quickly, um, you know, again, it's like as soon as you build your list, uh, you have a database of people and it will go out there. And then when you could try to do stuff like we'll do contests occasionally where, you know, when, you know, free pizza or something like that, if you tag and, and share it. So, again, now the goal is which we're working on and we're not totally great at it. But when we post something, the more somebody can share it. Now that goes into, if you share one of our posts, that goes to your audience. And right. again, that's how things obviously come viral, but I'm not necessarily looking to be viral. I just want more of our, you know, our followers and their friends and their friends continue to share stuff because now they may not even have ever heard about us. And, you know, I'll search us up all the time on uh, Google and you can search on Instagram yeah. through the different hashtags and stuff like that. And you'll see people like, oh, that pizza looks good. Where is that? And that's exactly what you want. Because then they're like, oh, I have to try it. It puts them on their radar for, you know, I've, we've been around for nine years and we have a pretty strong presence and we've won, you know, a few awards and all that stuff. But again, when someone wants to order pizza, you want to be on their, their uh, the top of their mind. And that's what usually my goal is. And that's why I don't mind doing the print thing. They're like, oh, wait, didn't we get that coupon the other day? Let's right. try that plate. Or, oh, you know, I was just scrolling through Facebook. That, that pizza looks good. Let me, let me order. So the more ways you can try to get in those different areas, again, if your budget allows, um, you know, the better. Uh, but the root of everything is, you know, uh, as much as I do all those things, word of mouth is still, you know, <laughs> the number one. Because once you get them coming in the door, how you treat them, uh, you know, having a consistent product, um, you know, makes a difference. Good and bad, right? Word of mouth, good and bad. Good, good word of oh, mouth. Oh, yeah, I've had bad. I've had, yeah, sometimes you know, I, bad word of mouth goes, spreads faster than good word of mouth. Exactly. Uh, you know, we just, I had a good one yesterday. A lady emailed me, all the emails through our website come to me and, uh, we messed up her pizza. So I emailed her back, you know, apologized. And she sent me a real nice email today. She goes, you know, I'm more impressed that the owner emailed me, uh, took the time to email me. than you know, you, I told her we'll give her a free pizza. Uh, and you know, she said, that's more important, you know, their experience and how they're treated and everything is more important than, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I don't want to say what they're eating, but, uh, you know, that whole experience is important. And we try to portray that through everything we do, whether it be, like I said, you know, Instagram or uh, Facebook or those are the two I use mostly right now. I think that's everybody, too. I think Twitter is yeah. around a little bit, but I don't, I don't think it's as useful. For yeah, I have Twitter. I don't too. I post up once in a while. I don't really personally like Twitter. Um, Snapchat, I have an account. My 11 <laughs> my year old son has shown me more than. I've known, but we don't have <laughs> following on that. I just focus, like I said, right now, instead of trying to tackle everything at once, I'm like, let's focus on one platform, do that well, 
and then we can expand, you know, yeah. that story in, in that same, uh, you know, technique or whatever we're doing to the, to the next. Yeah. I think that's uh, the best way to go. Right. Cause once you learn how to do Instagram, like at the beginning, the beginning is a lot of work, but like once you learn, how, it's like making a pizza, right? Like when you first make your first pizza, it takes you 20 minutes. Now you make yeah. a pizza in 20 seconds, but exactly. you've learned over time. Same way with social. Like in the beginning, if you start with all of them, it's going to be super overwhelming. But if you start with Instagram, you do that for a couple of months, you'll be like, you'll figure out a system where it takes you not a lot of time to manage it. And then you, then you hop on the next one. And, and I'm not great at posting myself and I try to be, you'll see if you follow us or anything, you'll see sometimes I'll go, it's like uh, all or nothing. I'll go and post like tons of stories for like a week. Then you won't hear anything uh, for like a week. That's the hard thing is consistency that I'm trying to work on. But going back to, uh, the millennial staff and things like that, when they're all on their phones anyways, uh, right. you know, a few of my employees will post up for us. And cause again, they know the different like hashtags are really important. Uh, if you look at our hashtags, we see which ones are performing well for us and which ones aren't. So we'll get discovered through those. Uh, like for instance, like Pittsburgh pizza is one of the hashtags we use. So if someone's that shows up on your feed now on Instagram, um, but one of my employees, they gave me a few other ones. They're like, oh, did you follow this hashtag? And, you know, that's where we can leverage uh, their use of phones and, and Instagram and everything else. Let them take some pictures because they'll also, it, you know, makes them feel like they're being part of uh, yeah. this making process. But also they post it on their page, which goes to their friends and, uh, and so on. And that helps. Uh, like some things may not even be on our page at all, but our employees are posting on theirs, which are being shared to their friends. So again, right. that's, uh, you know, working in the background for us as well. Exactly. Let me ask you a couple quick questions. Who do you, sure. any third party sites you use Grubhub, DoorDash, Slice, any of those? I, I use all of them. Uh, and I have, I listen to your podcast on that. Uh, and I have a love hate relationship with all of them. Uh, I think it's a great idea. I wish I would have thought of that because you're basically just, you know, standing there kind of like, uh, the like, the mafia or like that, yeah. taking money from all these places, uh, using their product and their, uh, recognition to collect money. However, again, it's, you know, I, I don't know if you said it or, or one of the other people on the podcast, it's, if you don't jump on board, you're going to be left behind. And, you know, especially in areas where there's college campuses and stuff like that, where, uh, most people don't want to pick up the phone and they don't want to, uh, you know, talk to another human being and, and put it in an order. They want to just open up their Grubhub app, you know, pick what they want to order and it, it goes and goes right to their door. So I feel if you're not on there, um, you know, the, the customer already has intentions of buying something through that app. So they'll go on there and buy, uh, if they don't see, maybe they want to get slice on Broadway, but they don't see me on there. Then they're like, all right, well, I want pizza. Let me go to this, uh, next pizza shop. So you just potentially lost that. Um, I know they take a big fee, but at two of my locations, I don't deliver. Uh, one is at PNC Park, just because of the nature of where we are. It's hard, right? Uh, you know, so it allows us again because people are going on there; they don't want to leave their house, so they want to get something delivered. So we're not on there; they're going to go to the next one. So I, I look at it at that sense. I'm not paying, you know, the labor cost for having a driver because I don't have drivers at those two locations. But also, I look at it as uh, marketing in a sense because. Uh, they, it's another area they can find us. Um, we, we do a lot of orders through them and I use, uh, Uber Eats, uh, Grubhub, uh, Slice app, 
um, and uh, DoorDash. Do you have your own online ordering or do you use Slice as your I, main? No, I, I have my own online ordering and I try to encourage people because I've, you know, just recently a customer came in, he ordered through Grubhub for pickup. And to me, that's, you know, I'm like, why are you doing that? Right. So he came in and I told him, I said, you know, we have our own online ordering. It's probably cheaper if you go directly through us. He's like, oh, it's just so much easier. They have my credit card. They have everything. I just, they remember my last order. I just hit, you know, reorder or whatever he did. And I was like, okay. Who, and do that's you, exactly- who, do you, who do you use for your online ordering? My POS system is Toast. So we need to talk to Toast. Toast, if you're listening to this podcast, let's get on that, right? What's that? I said, let's talk to Toast right now. If Toast is listening to this podcast, which I I think they do because they named me one of their restaurant people to follow, get on that. Make it as easy for the customers to order through Toast through their own online ordering platform. Well, they do. I recently got an email, and they do have a, a platform that is no fee to us uh, to use, and I haven't reached out to them yet. Um, but yeah, they need to grow, grow theirs. And, and I do recite, we started using toast in I think February and I put it for all four locations. Previously I had Revel and if they're listening, I didn't like them. Uh, <laughs> all right. I don't know if they're one of your, no, they're sponsors. not a sponsor. No, uh, their system did not work well for us and, and not say it's a bad system or not, but it didn't work uh, well for a pizza shop and toast so far has um and again there's there's so many pos companies out there and some that may be better for pizza shops but what i like about these newer companies like rebel and toast they are integrating uh social media they're integrating online ordering yeah. better uh, customer experiences where uh you know our original company we had for our pos system i love i thought they were great they did a great job with delivery uh the system was user-friendly but it was not cloud-based. It wasn't, uh, you know, it, they didn't, they may have now changed, but at the time when I was looking to go to a new vendor, they didn't have those options. And a lot of these new ones have that, that can uh, tie them all in, uh, you know, all these different uh, separate components into one system. Yeah. And Toast isn't a sponsor of the show either. So it's not an endorsement for Toast. Uh, just, we're just talking about what you're using. You seem to like them. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, I don't know if I answered your question about the delivery thing, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you did. You said you use all of them. I think you did a good job of explaining like why you use all of them. But that's a question. That's a question that I get a lot of time. Like, should I use third-party sites? And I think that it's different. Like, the one thing that I learned from that panel discussion that we did was, I mean, if you don't have delivery, it's a great option for you to add delivery to your business without having to hire drivers or go through that whole process. If you do have delivery, then you have to maybe reevaluate if it's worth it or not. Um, I think leverage too is important. Like it's the same thing when you order from Pepsi or Coke, right? Like you kind of, we always use those two against each other because those are the two big two. And the busier, more sales we have with those products, the more leverage we have to get better pricing. So I think that leverage for the business owner is important too. Like if you have a high volume store, you can obviously negotiate a better price with Grubhub or Uber Eats by how many orders you do. You can get, you know, if you get that percentage down, then maybe it is beneficial for you. I I think it is. I think every decision that's made in business is there's no right or wrong. I think it all has to go back to like, look at your business personally and what you feel comfortable with. I don't think that you should listen to anybody's definitive answer. Yes or no on anything. Exactly. Most of them, you don't have to have a, I don't think any of them, you have to have a contract with them. So you can try it out. If it doesn't work, obviously cancel it. Cause it is different for every business. Uh, I know one thing I hear, you know, and, and read a lot is people are worried about their quality of food going out. 
and that worries me a lot too. Like I did just talk to Uber Eats yesterday because apparently we're one of the local favorites and we have high volume uh, of orders going through them. So they assign us an account rep. I don't still, still trying to figure out what he's going to do for us. But it was one of the first questions I had, I said, are you going to lower my percentage? He's like, well, I, I can't really make those decisions. I'm like, okay, sorry. Well, what are you trying to tell me then? Right. But he, uh, I was telling him the pros and cons uh, of using their service. And, you know, occasionally we'll get people to come on a bike to deliver uh, our food and we turn them down and, and make them reassign it. And we <laughs> generally get an argument with the driver Cause he wants to deliver it on a bike and you know, in Pittsburgh it's where there's Hills everywhere. So it's kind of hard to deliver a pizza, uh, on a bicycle, uh, not like a motorcycle bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. And like a pedal bike. Yeah. Pedal bike. And the one time a kid came and it was like below zero out here and he wanted, he's like, it's only a mile down the road. I said, I don't <laughs> care. I said, it's going to be frozen by the time it gets there. Uh, so obviously we try to watch quality going out. Uh, but I do think the consumer, for the most part, and not all cases, uh, like when you read your reviews on Grubhub, you can see, you know, the food arrived cold, but we know the driver had a hard time finding us. Like some of them will re- be realistic that it wasn't the restaurant's fault. Uh, and, you know, they'll know it was the, the delivery service, right? Um, which helps out because that's one of the delivery makes up. Uh, for my original location, probably about 50% of my business. So in-house delivery. And I don't want to lose that, but that's one of our biggest complaints. We get, you know, people like about 45 minutes, uh, took an hour and a half, right. you know, or whatever the case may be, where it kind of gives us a little buffer. Now, you know, that's we're trying to blame the third-party service. We're like, oh, the, the food's ready. We're waiting on a driver, you know, where it kind of takes us out of the equation a little bit. Uh, you know, which is helpful because, you know, not that we're trying to pass the buck to them, but, you know, we're filling our end. We're waiting on this third party company to come pick it up. You know, sorry, you know, get there when I can. Where before it was totally our fault if a driver, right. uh, yeah, whatever the case may be, ran out of gas, whatever, it's our fault. Um, which is also the, I don't know if you talk to other pizza shops, uh, they, I'm having the hardest time finding delivery drivers. Yeah. In fact, I just lost one today uh, because he said DoorDash can pay him 13 an hour plus his tips. I can't pay 13 an hour for a delivery driver. Uh, to me, uh, you know, I don't want to lose that revenue, but at the same time, that's, you know, pretty big chunk just to have somebody, you know, run around delivering. and they're making tips too. Yeah. I was, ta- I was talking to somebody about that actually on a previous podcast about the same scenario where, that's where we're. That's who we're going to be competing with in this in this market is those other platforms, and it's going to be extremely, if not impossible, to compete with them because they're not a revenue based company, right? Like they're they're venture backed, so their goal isn't to be profitable. Their goal is to get as many consumers to use their app or product or whatever it is. And like when you run your business or I run my business, we have to have profit at the end of the day. Otherwise, it's just a friggin' hobby. Right. Yeah. And like, I, I love doing this, but I'm not going to do it as a hobby forever. <laughs> you know, you want to make a profit, which exactly. they don't need to do that. So that's the tough part for us is like, yeah, they can pay that driver $13 an hour because they don't have to make any money from that, which we can't yeah. do. No. And yeah, I'd love to be able to, because uh, like I said, it is important. It is cheaper for me to do in-house delivery. Right. Uh, and, you know, currently... The minimum wage in Pennsylvania is seven twenty-five. I pay over that for delivery drivers and their tips. So in some cases, they're making more 
than my in-house employees. Uh, and, you know, if we're busy, they're on the road the whole entire time. The other thing with working for, you know, DoorDash and, and uh, the other services, you know, they don't have to do anything else. Like, you know, if you're a driver, you have to fold boxes, you have to sock the polar, you have to clean right. dishes, things like that. So, you know, I don't blame them for going somewhere else, but it's making it difficult for people in our industry that do in-house delivery to, to find those. And it's uh, on-demand work, right? Like they can turn on off and on whenever they want. Exactly. So I, I kind of get it. And that's the other reason why I think to get ahead of it is uh, to maybe you constantly have to restructure, you know, your way of thinking, way of doing business. And even like uh, with all of these new trending uh, restaurants, like, you know, you were talking to, like I said, Neil uh, from Driftwood uh, a few weeks ago, like he, he does an excellent job and they're, uh, you know, everyone's doing more focusing on how they make their dough and, and talking about how they make, uh, you know, uh, how long they let it uh, ferment and, and everything else. And I'm no expert. I know how I make my product and I'm consistent and do it the same way. So I think, you know, uh, a lot of the older pizza shops that are afraid of entering into Instagram and, and this whole social media thing, entering into, uh, delivery, uh, third-party delivery and, and changing how they make, uh, their, their product, they are going to start to be left behind. So it's like, you better start looking into it now. Otherwise, you know, you'll be that, I'll be that old pizza shop on the corner <laughs> and, you know, I still might do a decent business, but if you want to keep, you know, being relevant, then you have to change things. I totally agree with that hundred percent. I couldn't have said it any better than you. I really do believe that. I think that it just gives you options. Like, uh, I know you don't want it to be on Instagram or and personally I wouldn't be if it wasn't for business purposes. Um, it just gives you options though. Like for me, it's like, all right, you want to, you have an end goal in mind of what you want to do with your business. And those are the options that help you get exposure for what you want to do to get as many people aware of it as possible. Um, and it's like you said, there's no barrier to entry. You can run ads on Facebook and Instagram, but you don't have to, it's not mandatory. Yeah, I've tried those two running ads and I, I don't, again, I don't know if I'm doing it correctly or not because a lot of these things have just been trial and error and I've done it myself. I've talked to somebody from Facebook because you can schedule a call. Yeah. I don't know. They, yeah. And they, they told me the, the best way to do it. But again, I, I think sometimes I do feel sometimes I'm wasting my money when I boost something and I don't think it's, yeah, I might get a, uh, thousands of, of views or impressions, but I don't know if they're the views or impressions that, I want or need because I don't see any uh, you know, translation to it directly. Right. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's it's hard to it's hard to correlate the two. Sometimes it's not as easy as it um, it is. But man, we've been on the we've been on here for like almost an hour. Thank you. I appreciate it. I said I told you a half an hour. Here we are, like fifty five minutes later. But it was uh, sorry, I talk a lot. So no, man, I love it. I love. I didn't even realize. I just looked at the time just now. And I'm like, wow, that was great. Um, it flew by. Where can people go check you out if they want to follow you on Instagram or on Facebook or go check out your website or if they're in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, uh, like I said, we have four locations, uh, pretty much all within Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh's made up of different little, uh, I don't want to call them boroughs, but they're all part of the city. So we're in you know, a couple of different neighborhoods within Pittsburgh. You can go to sliceonbroadway.com or follow us on Instagram at sliceonbroadway, uh, Facebook at sliceonbroadway as well. So all slice on Broadway, Facebook, all website. slice on Broadway. Yeah. And we'll link that up in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, when you're in the, uh, in the restaurant or anywhere you are and you don't have that handy, uh, yeah, we'll link all this up in the show notes for this episode. Always uh, ask me any questions. I'm no expert. And I listen to 
everybody else and, and what they're doing and, and just try to, you know, pick different pieces of what works for us. And, and like I said, unfortunately for me, a lot of it's trial and error because uh, by no means an expert of what I do, but, you know, we find out what works for us and just keep moving forward. That's the name of the game, right? Learn what's happening, implement, see what works, keep doing what works and ditch what doesn't. Exactly. Um, you go to all the pizza expos too. Do you go to the pizza expo in Vegas and Atlantic City? Uh, I actually missed both of those last year. I only was Where'd in I Vegas. See you? Where did I see you then? Uh, Columbus. Oh yeah, that's right. The, uh, that the, one's uh, close. We usually try to compete in that because yep. it's close enough to do. Um, and we never seem to do very well. But um, I just think the judges are all wrong, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a judge there, so it wasn't my fault. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I saw you were doing a, a show. I usually try to take you know one or two of my employees with me because they, they enjoy it. Yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. Vegas, I, I said to my wife yesterday that I said, I'm going to Atlantic City. I don't care. Uh, generally, I get caught up in whatever work is going on and, and i'm like oh wait that expo is tomorrow i should have probably thought of it ahead of time yeah it does it does get up on you quick yeah so i did say i'm going to atlantic city uh so hopefully i'll see you there and 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 um, i said i'm going to vegas too this year all so. right cool i'm not sure i haven't made up my mind on Atlantic city yet so um I, if i do though i will I'll, I'll shoot you a message we'll have to meet up there say hello yeah let me know that one's close enough for us that i can just drive i just so. hate atlantic city i wish they wouldn't have it there atlantic city's Instead of one of the tables, you might not even see me at the expo. I might be over there. <laughs> maybe there. We'll, well, I'll have to get you out of there. Or maybe I'll come to you and we'll hang out over there. Right. Well, Rico, thank you so much, man. Well, like I said, we'll link up all that in the show notes for this episode, smartpizzamarketing.com. Uh, just type in Rico or Slice on Broadway in the search bar, and this episode will come out. Rico, don't hang up, but thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Hi, right, Bruce. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks to Rico for joining me on the podcast episode. Go check them out on the interwebs over at sliceonbroadway.com. That's their home base. Or you can just go to smartpizzamarketing.com, which you're probably used to going to. Uh, type in Rico or Slice on Broadway up at the search bar. We'll take all of those show notes. Everything that we mentioned on this podcast episode will link up over there. You can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. I really appreciate you. If you're going to this year's Pizza and Pasta Expo, let me know. We are going to be going there. We're going to be doing some interviews outside or and or inside. If you want to be uh, joining us for an interview, more video than podcast while you're at the show, let me know. Uh, smartpizzamarketing.com is our home base. You can find everything over there. Or you can go to Instagram at the Bruce Irving. Shoot me a direct message there or at Smart Pizza Marketing. That's our company one. Shoot us a direct message at either one of those Instagram accounts and let me know if you are going to be attending this year's Pizza and Pasta Expo in Atlantic City. Love to see you there. I'd love to say hello. If you haven't yet, it would really be or mean a lot to us if you left a review over on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on. Just leave a five-star review over there. That'd be great. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you on the next one.